It's another episode of the Just My Take podcast. This is the Sunday recording um, for the Just My Take podcast. Doing a little something new this 2019. Um, kind of doing a recap of anything that happened over the weekend that I feel we should talk about now. Just because I feel by the time Wednesday hits, eh, it may not have as much effect. And I think uh, one of the things I, I am going to talk about that's going to be the main thing of this episode is, of course, the documentary that came out, the Surviving R. Kelly documentary. This stand is very, very heavy, very sad, very tragic. Um, well, we'll talk about that further on. Uh, right now, how it's going to go, uh, right now the, the, the Bears-Eagles game is going on. I probably will record something, kind of an NFL wildcard reaction uh, episode after the surviving R. Kelly episode uh, that I do, but I will probably save that for the Wednesday, uh, for the midweek episode because I'm going to talk about the reaction of the wild card and then add in the divisional and any stuff that has happened um, throughout the playoffs. So that's going to be what it is. This is uh, Dex PC5 created Just My Take podcast. I thank you guys for listening to this episode, especially on Sunday if you can get to it. And uh, yeah, definitely check out some of my old episodes as well. But with that in mind, we're gonna talk a lot about this surviving R. Kelly documentary, and, and uh, because it, it's very heavy, very very heavy, and sad. So let's let's get into it. All right, so let's get into the surviving R. Kelly thing. Um, I actually recorded another episode, but the platform that I was using for some reason backspaced it. So it deleted my segment. So I'm, I'm going to do another run at this. Uh, hopefully it doesn't delete because I really do have a lot to say about the documentary. Um, so the Surviving R. Kelly documentary is a six-part documentary that aired over this past week. Two episodes on Thursday, two on Friday, two on Saturday. Talking about R. Kelly's upbringing, how he became famous, and how he is the sexual predator deviant that he is today. Um, I will try to talk about things in the documentary, but I won't get into it all because I do believe, I do feel you should listen to this on the Lifetime channel. Now, what I will say is that this subject matter is going to be heavy. It's talking about child molestation, child rape, um, child trafficking, because that's essentially what's happening in this documentary, a culture in which as a society, we were so blind to the things that are happening. Or maybe I was blind because I knew I knew about the sex tape. I, I heard about the BuzzFeed article about him having a sex cult. But I guess I didn't know the full extent of it. Um, and I didn't know the full details of it. And there's many people at, today who are saying, how can you guys not have known about this? This has been happening for years. No one has done anything about it. Well, my answer is that we could do something about today. That's my answer. I, I really feel as a society, we need to put a full court press on R. Kelly and get him the fuck out of here. He needs to rot under the jail for the shit that he's done to the woman who are pretty much babies, kids. He's ruined a lot of lives. Now, some people are going to look at this documentary series and they're not going to believe that R. Kelly's guilty. I can't change that. I really, really can't change that. 
I'm I'm personally off R. Kelly. I know this guy's made a lot of hits. Um, he has a lot of a he has a heavy catalog, but to me, morals over money, man. I can't side with that shit. Not not after seeing this documentary and hearing the stories of what he's done. Um, and I think this documentary is important. I think a lot of people should watch it because it was very eye opening, very powerful. I think this documentary will definitely win a lot of awards, or it should. Um, but it was very tough to watch. It stirs a lot of emotions in you. If you are a normal adult person, you're going to feel some type of way about this. You're going to feel anger. You're going to feel pissed. And unfortunately, I, I, you know, there are some people that I was talking to that unfortunately, you know, they, and this is tough to say because, you know, there are some people that I've spoken with, um, that, you know, went through some tragic shit of their own in which is, you know, this documentary brought up a lot of triggering things as well. So it, it's very, very rough to watch, especially when you're talking about child molestation, sexual assault, domestic abuse of that nature. It's, it's, it's triggering. It's very tough. It's very tough. But I'm glad that this documentary is out in the open because stuff like this moves the conversation. It makes people sit back and be like, okay, what are we doing? Let's evaluate the situation. Let's evaluate what we're doing, our response to it. And if times need to change, times need to change. Now, for me, I, I, I'm i not trying to be this self-righteous guy, trying to be this moral guy that, oh, like everything that I do is perfect. That's not the case at all. But what I will say is that I personally feel R. Kelly's in the wrong for that. Usually I try to... Take, you know, listen to all sides of something before I make a decision. That's how I've always been. That's how I will continue to be. But as I grow older, sometimes you just got to take a pick a side and stand by it. I don't, I'm not fucking with R. Kelly. No. The guy is a predator. The documentary, there's, there's some main themes that happen in this documentary. The first, they talk about um, how he grew up. He was molested. His younger brother was molested. Uh, they don't say by who, but um, he could, he was molested, and that uh, he talked about sex at a very very early age. In high school, they they talked, they had an interview with a high school teacher, and the high school teacher's uh, music teacher was saying, "You you're very young to be talking about the inappropriate stuff that you did." So R. Kelly, he 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 always had just a sexual weird deviancy about him. Anyway, he becomes famous, and he's on top of the world. But it's weird because here this R. Kelly is. He's a he's an up and coming R&B mainstream star. He's still hanging at malls. This is a grown guy in his mid twenties going to the malls in his free time, going to the local high school. Who like that? To me, that was that that's troubling. At the end of the day, listen, you know I'm thirty years old. The only time I'm really going to the mall is to buy something, and then I'm out of there. I'm not spending my Saturday afternoon at a mall. I got I got other shit to do. I'll go to the gym. I'll go I'll go to the brunch with my friends, or I'll hang out at home or something like that. I'm not going to the fucking mall for what? This was what R. Kelly did. He frequented the malls. He he had his crew, which I think is despicable. Going out and getting girls. There's this one assistant on the documentary, this motherfucker, Demarius Smith, the former assistant to R. Kelly, talking, recollecting about the times that, you know, 
R. Kelly will go out to the malls and to the local McDonald's in the high school and pick up girls. And this motherfucker did nothing to stop it. Absolutely nothing to stop it. Why? Because he was getting paid. That's what really, that's, that's what was so painful about this documentary was how complicit everyone was, was on this documentary. There are so many people on this doc that would try to talk shit about R. Kelly and, and put him through the ringer. But when they said their side of the story, you're like, wait a minute, you, you helped this happen. You helped book flights for these young girls to come and meet R. Kelly in the hotel room. You helped get taxis. You helped R. Kelly set arrangements because R. Kelly couldn't read or write. So someone had to do this stuff. And the staff just looked the other way. And they were adults that were in the wrong. They knew that R. Kelly was foul and doing shit with underage girls, sexually having sex with them, raping them. And they looked the other way because R. Kelly was a money machine at the time. The whole, the whole industry looked away because R. Kelly worked with a lot of people. He worked with a lot of people and he had a lot of songs and he's mainstream. So this is, so let me start off by saying this is not a black and Latina issue. This documentary series is not for black and Latina people only. I know I have a lot of fans who are, who are a, a Caucasian white and, um, I think you should also watch this docu-series because, unfortunately, this predatory hate behavior happens in all industries, in the in the church, at schools, in sports, in movies, and music. I'd be very interested to see if this – actually, I don't know. You know what? This Surviving R. Kelly documentary might be the forefront of the music industry's Me, me Too because we know this has happened. We've heard issues of uh, Kesha with, with the producer and her fight with, with her longtime uh, producer or manager, I believe, um, and how, how he forced Kesha to have sex with her to, get, to be put on. She's definitely not the only one. This has been happening in the music industry for a long, long time. And I believe R. Kelly is not the only person who has done this shit. Throughout the whole docuseries, you could tell towards the end, this motherfucker has a, a child sex trafficking ring. The way he's able to get these girls and follow them from hotel to studio across the country, to this day, he's still doing it. And there's people just complicit in it, and it's disgusting. But you know what? He's not the only one. I bet there is members in his fucking crew that, that, that participated in, in having sex with these girls. They showed uh, his older brother, Bruce Kelly, who obviously was a total fanboy of his brother. He, I mean, he had one comment that said, you know, hey, well, I like older women, but R. Kelly, he likes younger women. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? You could just tell he was just in awe of his brother, and I wouldn't be surprised if he participated in hooking up with some of these young girls. I mean, R. Kelly in his house, they talked about the docuseries, how he had these girls locked up in rooms. He had rules for them. He was a control, controlling, manipulative freak. He had rules in which if a girl broke a rule, he would starve them. He would physically abuse them, mentally abuse them, isolate the girls so much and mentally break them down in which the girls themselves didn't feel that they were worthy. They forgot about their friends and family. 
And throughout the document series, you you saw, I would I would say by the time it was done, I would say there was there was at least fifteen. I felt there was like fifteen girls that 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 came out and shared their stories about R. Kelly. And it was the same pattern. R. Kelly would appear very charming, very friendly, and then once. He was like, oh, come to my hotel or come to my studio or come to um, hang out with me. Then then the nastiness would occur. Um, and it's just so sad. It's just so sad the way he fucked up a lot of these girls' lives. Same pattern, the physical abuse and all that stuff. I recommend people watch this Lifetime Doc series because it, it, it's, it's just powerful. Um, and R. Kelly is is just a monster. I um, I'm gonna talk about some highlights of 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 what I thought were very interesting about the documentary. But I, I can't obviously I can't cover everything because this documentary is six hours. There's still news going on. Um, I don't want to do a seven hour show about R. Kelly and his predatory shit. I gotta be honest with you. But these were some of the things that I I was seeing at the beginning. Uh, the first night. They talked about his upbringing, how he molested girls. I mean, how he was molested himself when his younger brother was molested. Uh, R. Kelly told him to bury that. How R. Kelly was in high school singing about sex songs and what all that stuff. And how R. Kelly got popular. But they also talked about the music industry, the media machine. They talked about other people, artists as well. People like Jerry Lee Lewis, who, who married his 13-year-old cousin. Elvis, yes, the famous Elvis Presley, how he married an underage girl. How a lot of rock and roll, a lot of famous songs talked about dealing with teenage girls as, as a fantasy and whatnot. So it's a whole culture here. But I think the main thing that Night One really talked about was the art, the late R&B uh, singer Aaliyah. Um, Aaliyah was up and coming. Um, she was R. Kelly's protege. But there is weird rumors about R. Kelly and Aaliyah's relationship. That something was going down. I mean, she made a song called Age Ain't Nothing But a Number. Again, a song called Age Ain't Nothing But a Number, which the song is about a younger girl telling the older guy that it's okay to, to, to have intercourse. And Aaliyah, when she made this song, at the time, Aaliyah was a teenager. She was like, what, 14, 15? And she's talking about hooking up with an older guy. And it wasn't like this was an older guy, like, say, okay, 16 years old. No, no, no. We're talking 23, 25. So you can see the direction that this was going. There is also um, a situation where they were talking about how R. Kelly hooked up with Aaliyah on the tour bus when they're doing the tour. Very just sickening, sickening stuff. And I apologize that I have to talk about to this this gravity, but this is what the docuseries is about. So I, ha I have to just say how it is. But I'm not going to go 100% full detail because I, I don't, you have to just watch this documentary and make the decisions for yourself. Um, A lot of people in Chicago knew about this. A lot of people in Chicago knew how R, R. Kelly got down because he would frequent the high school a lot. He would hang at the high school, the mall, and the local McDonald's. And people in Chicago just knew what was what was good with R. Kelly. And, you know, these teenage girls, they still made the decision to go with R. Kelly because they were like, hey, R. Kelly could put me on. He can make me famous. And R. Kelly used that to his advantage because, one, 
they documentary and they did a great job of bringing in um clinical uh certified psychologists to talk about the traits of what predators do what abuse victims and abusers do i thought it was a great um, great assets to the documentary that show that this wasn't just a sham documentary series, that this was supposed to be very educational too, to show what was going down. They showed, um, they actually had, uh, John Legend was the only celebrity who talked who talked on the documentary. The rest were like uh, journalists and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, sexual assault survivors like uh, Tadira Burfin, who the founder of the Me Too movement, people like that. But, um, what else did they talk about? I, you know, I just, I just got in an interesting conversation uh, with my brother in terms of how, what happens with R. Kelly that I want to speak about. Um, hold on, let me, let me hold on. I know I'm all over the place, but there's just so much to talk about. The, you know, the music industry pretty much protected R. Kelly. That's what essentially happened because R. Kelly was a hit machine. Everyone who worked with R. Kelly had hits. He made the song we um he made he made songs for Whitney Houston, Michael Jackson. He made the songs like Ignition Remix, I Believe I Can Fly, which was a big Space Jam. I think it was like the one of the main songs for Space Jam. Bump and Grind, Step in the Name of Love, uh, Same Girl That Trapped in the Closet series that we all remember. Um the world's greatest, I wish, happy people. So he made a lot of songs. And they actually talked about his catalog, how he had a hell of a catalog. And they talked about how R. Kelly, his music was swing from one extreme to the next. Sometimes he would have the most raunchy songs out there, but then he would have this happy inspirational song, like I Believe I Can Fly and I Wish. It's it swung the pendulum so much. So every time he had heat, on him, he would come out with a song like "I Believe I Can Fly," and then most of the society would be like, "Oh, this guy can't be can't be preying on young women." He may "I Believe I Can Fly." This guy, this guy's a nice guy. He did this shit on purpose. He was he's a he's a fucking sociopath. He's a fucking sociopath. Um, I want to talk about the people that surrounded him. There is a guy named Demarius Smith who was his former assistant who talked about how he knew what R. Kelly was doing, but he turned a blind eye just because he was getting paid by R. Kelly. It was his job. That's what he essentially said. Money over morals. He's got no one. Not, the maddening thing about this documentary is that no one stopped R. Kelly. Even though they knew what was happening, even though they had suspicions, no one went to R. Kelly and was like, hey, what the, what the fuck are you doing? Why are you doing this? This is illegal. This is bad. No one did this shit because they were just getting paid off. So people just turned a blind eye and allowed this guy to be a predator. The Mayor Smith, this guy, this is one of the guys who, who I feel should rot under the jail with R. Kelly because he was one of the main people who would assist in trying to pick up, send dudes to get pick up girls from the mall for R. Kelly. Pick the, get the prey essentially arrange flights for the girls high school girls to fly in and spend nights with r kelly at the hotel what the hell is going on here this was the same guy who also 
forged a marriage certificate for Aaliyah claiming that she was 18 when actually she was 15 at the time. Very weird. Very weird. That guy, that guy needs to burn in hell. He needs to rot under the bridge, under the jail with R. Kelly as well. And this is the complicit shit that just happened. This is the complicit shit that happened. But to an extent, R. Kelly was not the only one. We have so many rumors out there. And these are, I don't know if these are true or not, you know, of, of Diddy, of Jay-Z and Beyonce, of Russell Simmons and Kimora Lee Simmons, you know, do older dudes going after these younger girls when they're just barely legal and stuff like that. So I don't know if that was just the, the music industry back then. And R. Kelly just took it to another level. It's, it's, it's disgusting. There's one clip in the first part where, you know, R. Kelly's being interviewed and the journalists ask, are you into teenage girls? And R. Kelly said, when you say teenage, how young we talking? I'm going to say that line again. R. Kelly said, when you say teenage, how young we talking? It just goes to show, it, it, it's so bad. It goes to show how sick this is. Any other guy would have been like, I don't like teenage girls. That's disgusting. And, and put that to bed. The fact that R. Kelly was willing to go into almost a discussion about the age just goes to show. And, and they just, it, it's unbelievable. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. That was mostly a lot of the highlights of part one. Aaliyah and R. Kelly's upbringing. Part two, it really just talked about R. Kelly, how the stuff escalated. He was still preying on these young girls. He was videotaping them, having threesomes with these girls, statutory rape and videotaping them, essentially. Um, and it talked about how there was a sex tape out there um, that dragged and that the sex tape was of R. Kelly allegedly peeing on this 14-year-old girl. And the 14-year-old girl was the niece of this girl on the documentary called Sparkle. Now, Sparkle was the backup single to R. Kelly. And Spark I put a lot of blame on Sparkle for bringing that niece into R. Kelly's life. One, she should have known better. She was in the house with R. Kelly when R. Kelly's wife, Andrea, asked for permission. See, R. Kelly... And you'll see the theme in this documentary. R. Kelly was very controlling. He was first, and he carefully vetted the girls he went after. He really did. Like the young girls he went after, he vetted them. I think the older girls he went after, there were girls that, you know, he just mentally broke down or they already had low self-esteem. So R. Kelly was just able to go in the minds and just fuck with them. That's what essentially what he did. You know, there was a scene where Sparkles was chilling with R. Kelly watching TV. And, and, and the wife has to ask R. Kelly for permission to go in and make a sandwich to eat. This is a married couple, and the wife is asking for permission. That's not normal. That's not normal at all. So Spark And Sparkle knew of the rumors, especially being a backup singer, you know, stuff with Aaliyah and stuff. So for her to think that bringing her niece around would be okay, because, no, R. Kelly would never do that, it, it, it's sickening. And the, and, and the thing was, there was too many people who kept bringing girls to R. Kelly, thinking that R. Kelly would put them on as famous singers, because they probably saw what happened to Aaliyah, and they thought, oh, R. Kelly can do the same. And it no, he just preyed on them. 
Um, the trial, I mean, they talk about this, the tape, and it gets sickening how it was the most widely distributed tape in all of Chicago, Southside Chicago. It was distributed bootlegs through barbershops and all that stuff of R. Kelly having sex with a minor. And and there weren't many adults who were willing to take this to take this to the police to to to, to snitch on R. Kelly and whatnot. It's disgusting. And I know during the and the trial itself, R. Kelly's legal team purposely kept delaying the trial because the longer it would take to go to trial, the older these girls would get. So when these girls, for all the incidents that maybe happened when they were 16 or 17. By the time it got to trial, they're 24, they're 23. And there is one juror who just didn't like black girls. And he he didn't convict R. Kelly. He was like, no, I don't like the way they talk. I don't like the way they dress. I just dismissed them from the start. This, this documentary really opened my eyes into, you know what? There is there is, there is a truth to you know, that black and Latino voices, black and Latino girls' voices don't matter. You know, they get ignored and there's 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 truth to it. Um, for people who are saying no, look at the, at this. When you when you look at say CNN or any of the major news outlets, when there's a missing child or a missing woman, is usually a is usually a, a, a white woman, and there's a lot of media attention and all this stuff that happens. But when it but you don't you rarely see a black girl, Latina girl, and then the same amount of attention. You rarely see it. It just goes to show, like, there is some truth that like, these women don't matter. And I think that's why R. Kelly was able to get away with this so much. And even people in the documentary said that if R. Kelly was doing this with white girls, R. Kelly would have been jailed a long time ago. But because he was able to do it with young black and Latino girls from the projects, it, it didn't matter. Because R. Kelly would pick girls from the same areas that he came from. So he knew the game and he was very clever. And there are people on his team who are very clever and, and manipulative and sick to help R. Kelly do this. Because they were getting paid part of the money train. It's it's a lot. It's very heavy. Um, There's one exec that talked about how they didn't care that R. Kelly was engaging in these sexual acts with minors because R. Kelly was making them millions. So what? So what the R. Kelly's doing statutory rape? Doesn't matter. He's making millions. That was the that was how the music industry was back in the day. All about record sales and money. It, it's it's sick. It's sick. Um, they talked about how R. Kelly met one of his alleged victims while he was on a trial. The guy didn't stop, and, and once R. Kelly got acquitted of it, he was emboldened. He was emboldened, and I think that's when he did. He escalated into another level. Well, now in today's today, he has a, he has an alleged sex cult. He has women living with him and keeping them captive, keeping them captive, and some of these girls are gone forever, and the. That was part three, really, was these girl, these these parents trying to fight, trying to get their kids back, and and one one mom had some luck in it. She was able to get her daughter back, and I hope me hoping that daughter, her name was um, I'm not gonna say the name, but 
she was taken when she was like 17 and was with R. Kelly for a while and went through a lot of shit. R. Kelly even dressed her up as as a boy toy, essentially. Sick. It's it's fucking sick. In the documentary, and, and come to find out that the girl on the sex tape, her family denied that it was her. Um, the family, the parents, the girl, everyone denied that it was uh not the that. She was not on the sex tape, even though it's very evident and clear it was a girl on the sex tape. And I'm reading some articles right now, some pictures that the girl, it, you know, they, uh, sorry, let me backtrack. On the documentary in the third part, one of the survivors met the girl from the sex tape when she met R. Kelly. So there goes to show that R. Kelly was still involved with that girl from the sex tape, paid off the parents and the other family members. To keep quiet with the NDAs and all that stuff. Put the dad on a credit of one of his songs, even though the dad doesn't even play an instrument or he, he didn't play an instrument on the album. And come to find out that the, the son, um, the brother of the girl on the sex tape, is uh, under R. R Kelly's label. And I believe he's Chance the, Chance the Rapper's drummer. I'm not 100% sure, but I believe so. So R. Kelly paid hush money and said, hey, you keep this on the reps. You work with me. I'll put you on in the music industry. And for that family, that was good enough. I'm telling you, it's sick. They were all complicit. They were fine with their young 14-year-old daughter essentially getting raped by R. Kelly and getting pissed on on a sex tape so that they can be put on in the music industry and, and get money that way. It's sick. This documentary shows too many adults who were just complicit to this stuff. And society, us as a society, we didn't stop it. We didn't stop it. <sighs> you know, and he took shit to another level. He would have his victims self-incriminate themselves with forged written statements. He would keep the girls hostage. Um, he will. He just. It just got this. It got disgusting after a while. Watching this video, I. I think. The aftermath, I mean, you saw one parent called the Clarys in which they took their daughter. They Everyone went to an R. Kelly concert because they thought R. Kelly was innocent. They were one of those people who thought, oh, man, the system's after a famous black guy. They're trying to take one of our own. He's innocent. And this is the, this is another problem that I, I see in the black and Hispanic community that I hope that changes. There's some people to this day who say Bill Cosby's innocent, R. Kelly's innocent, and you know we may never know all the facts because we weren't in the room when all this stuff happened. I will say, if there's multiple accusers out there, when there's smoke, there's fire. I know when Bill Cosby got um got charged, there was about what thirty plus women, and there was some people in the black community. Some people were just like, no. Uh, Bill Cosby, he's getting, um, they're going after Bill Cosby because he was on the verge of buying NBC and the Illuminati or the elite people didn't want that. So they went after Bill Cosby and now he's in where he's in. And I simply don't believe that. Bill Cosby was, it was very old at the time. If Bill Cosby wanted to make a bid for NBC, he could have done that. Or he could have just started his own TV network because at the time, at this current time, people are just doing their own networks. They're not really dealing with primetime networks anymore. TV's a dying medium, um, especially primetime uh, prime networks. 
Look at Oprah. Oprah has her own network. Bill Cosby, if he wanted to, he could do it. I know Steve Harvey, he may be another guy who may do his own uh, channel when it's all said and done. So that's why I thought, in my opinion, that Bill Cosby NBC thing was bull BS. I think that was the culture back in the day because you know when the Me Too era started, there's a lot of older dudes getting caught up in it. And, and while as disgusting and horrific as it was, in the 70s and 80s, that was the culture back then. A lot of people got away with a lot of shit. And it wasn't just in TV and film and movies. I mean, listen, we're talking about the Catholic Church scandal and all that's happening from back in the day. It, it, it happened everywhere. And it's still happening to this day. But I know there's a lot of people in the Black and Hispanic community who have a very big distrust with the legal system, with the police system. And I understand that completely because there's been cases and stories of police cover-ups, police nabbing the wrong people and not giving a fuck. So there is a huge distrust. So whenever they see a famous black person get charged, everyone sides with that black person without even looking at the facts sometimes. It was the same way with O.J. Simpson. It was the same way with Michael Jackson. Bill Cosby, R. Kelly. So I, I can see why a lot of people, and even to this day, are like, nah, nah, nah. They're, they're just trying to, they're just trying to nab, nab them. But to me, when there's smoke, there's fire. When there's too many cases and too many people that are coming out the woodwork that work are completely living their lives, but they're like, hey, I gotta say this because this happened to me years ago. This happened to me years ago. I don't think they're out there trying to get fame and fortune. They're trying to say what fucking happened because they're still traumatized. They have PTSD. They have to work through this shit. They have to get therapy and stuff like that. So they're not looking for a quick money grab. And we as society, we got to start believing the, the survivors more. Instead of scrutinizing them. Let's get all the facts. Yes, there's some people out, there's some people out there who do fake stories. Of course. That happens too. There's, it's humans. Humans are not perfect. But we got to get all the facts before we just automatically... Pick a side, and some people are just like, No, I don't believe these girls. And so then, then some of these survivors don't come out. Prime example, Brett Kavanaugh. All that, yo, come on. Did we not see what happened with Christy Ford, the girl who came on and testified in front of Congress? She got put through the ringer. She got death threats. She could she couldn't return to her job for like a month. She actually had to move. Because just because she wanted to sit, to share experience of something that happened to her in high school, so you wonder why a lot of women, it is it, women and men who've been molested or assaulted, they they find it hard to speak up because the public were so conditioned to not believing the person, the small person, especially when it comes to the small person versus the famous person, and I think that's why the Me Too movement is happening. Because it happens too much. It just happens too much. And this, this R. Kelly doc is just a prime example of he just took advantage of so many girls saying that, oh, I'm going to put you on and stuff like that. And he didn't do shit. And I believe he did a lot of foul shit to Aaliyah. I believe he did a lot of foul shit to Aaliyah because I'm seeing, I'm starting to watch some of these interviews. And you could tell with Aaliyah that she, she's damaged. That when it comes to R. Kelly, she just doesn't try, she doesn't mention R. Kelly. She says that, I remember there's one video when Dame Dash was uh, dating Aaliyah, 
And Dame Dash asked about it, and Aaliyah said, R. Kelly's just a very, very bad man. Very, very bad man. And and just cut the, cut, closed it. Very, or when it comes to the age, of, especially when she married R. Kelly and that day, the, the actual age, she deflects it. So, the, you know, I want to get back to the Clarys before I wrap this up. The Clarys, they brought R, they brought her, the girl to an R. Kelly concert. I don't know why. And R. Kelly picked their daughter from the stage, just like other girls sang for them, and then made them go backstage. And the and the parents waited for like two hours before their girl came, their daughter came back. And by that, I mean, come on, two hours with R. Kelly. That's when R. Kelly was able to vet his people, vet the girls that he wanted, and slip the phone number, boost up their boost up their head with their charm, and then it was a wrap. It was a wrap. The Clarys haven't been able to see their daughter since. The daughter's now with uh, R. Kelly. Because what R. Kelly was doing towards the end is he would take these girls that were barely legal at 17, and then he would do his thing. So by the time they hit 18, they were legal. So the parents couldn't really get out, go after the daughter, and they're gone forever. Hence the alleged sex cult that he has. And they're so damaged, they're so destroyed, it's very hard for them to leave. I remember this, the, the psychologist psychiatrist on the doc was saying for abuse victims, it literally takes seven to ten times for that victim to, to up and leave the relationship that they're in. And that the when they leave, that's actually the, when they're about to finally do, that's actually the scariest time for them. And it's just rough. It's rough. Where do we go? So, you know, check out the documentary. Where do we go from here? I would not be surprised if this is the Pandora's box that finally gets R. Kelly the fuck out of here. For me, I want those girls to go home to their parents to re try to repair their lives, rebuild their lives. I do think R. Kelly could get in trouble because he's still doing it to this day. And there's still a lot of, there's a, there's a possibility that a girl that got affected by R. Kelly could now go after R. Kelly and charge him, bring him back to court. And then all these new allegations with the documentary could be enough evidence to put him behind bars. And maybe they go after the people like the Mary Smith, the assistant, who helped Aiden and abetted. And I do hope that after this documentary series, people stop fucking with R. Kelly. Do not have your daughters hang with R. Kelly. If you even hear the words R. Kelly, don't do it. You, at this point, you got to stop because there's just there's too much evidence out there. Now you're going to see a wave of artists and musicians currently say, fuck R. Kelly, he's sick and that, because it's, it's the, I'm not saying it's the cool thing to say, but it is the happening thing to say right now, because it's fucked up. We are growing as a society. I will say, let's check back in a month's time what happens. Right now, he's still on RCA Records, uh, he's still under RCA Records as an artist. So will RCA Records finally drop him? And I noticed in the documentary, R. Kelly starts to panic when he doesn't have money. Because you're seeing, they talked about how there was a mute R. Kelly organization that helped in canceling shows. Spotify removed his catalog. Um, so R. Kelly is starting to lose money, for sure. But let's let's see if they put the final nail in the coffin and just completely remove him, just like Bill Cosby got completely removed. 
Um, it'd be very interesting to see. I know over the weekend, R. Kelly's numbers did spike on Spotify, but I think I think that was more out of curiosity because of this documentary series, especially because the documentary talked about how R. Kelly, he left a lot of clues of the shit that he was doing. I think this is a guy who needed help and pretty much publicly asked for help. And he would shift between asking for help and just doing what he wanted because he was like, well, if no one's going to stop me, I'm going to keep doing it. And so you can, you just saw that theme throughout. And, you know, so you're looking at, I'm looking at some of these song lyrics and you can see where he's like, yeah, you know, it doesn't matter if you're 18 or older or 16 or under, we're still going to hook up and have it. I'm telling you, it's nasty. It's nasty, nasty stuff. It's nasty, nasty stuff. Just disgusting. So anyway, this, this, I mean, this is a rough one. This is a rough one. Um, this is a rough topic. I hope this is, we get R. Kelly the fuck out of here. And hey, you know what, people, be prepared if some of your favorite artists from back in the day, if they get caught up in this shit too and they get out of here. You know, maybe this is the music, especially hip-hop's version of all the molestation. Because, I mean, R. Kelly's not the only one. I've heard some rumors about... Uh, the manager B2K doing something. I mean, yeah, the rumors, but who knows, man? Who knows? Unless we're there, we really don't know. But all we can do is just ask for answers. And if it's true, get these people the fuck out of here. So I know this has been a heavy, heavy topic. I mean, I definitely do not like talking about heavy issues like child rape and molestation and sexual assault. But I am a proponent of having conversations that society needs to make. And, you know, that's why I do like documentaries and news that come out that talk about these issues because I know that it's being hit, brushed under the rug, that these things are happening. And sometimes you gotta bring these things to light to be like, hey, this is this is happening. We can't ignore it. We gotta do something about it. So let's let's see what happens. In a month's time, maybe let's you know, let's revisit it and see what the latest update is. Maybe people will remind me, hey. February, check this out, Dax. What's going on with it? I'll give me. I can give you some updates. I hope this is not a flavor of the month thing because the, it, this documentary is just sickening. It's sick. It's powerful, but R. Kelly's a sick motherfucker. He really is. Get him the fuck out of here. That's my take on it. Ooh, I feel like taking a shower after all that nastiness we just talked about in that documentary. Uh, it's very, very heavy. Very crazy. Um, yeah, check it out on Lifetime. Uh, it's called Surviving R. Kelly. Um, at this point, they have it on demand. So if you got six hours, uh, maybe on a weekend, whatever, just to check it out. But I will let you know that it is a very rough watch. Some people didn't even finish the whole documentary because of the emotions. And uh, just, just, just rough to watch. Anyway, uh, this is the Sunday recording of just my take podcast. Uh, I felt this was documentary was the main thing I wanted to talk about and cover. And I wanted to do it right after the documentary instead of uh, waiting until midweek. So um, yeah, it's just a lot of stuff. You can find me on Instagram at DexPC5. Um, also, that's the same screen name for Twitter, DexPC5. If you actually follow me on Twitter, you will see that I tweeted a lot about this documentary series. Um, so, yeah, friend me. Let me know your thoughts on it. Um, and then you can also follow the show uh, at a Just My Take podcast. 
yeah, check it. Check the listen to this episode. Tell your friends and family about it. I know everyone has opinions and stuff like that, so I'll be very interested to hear what people's viewpoints about this show is about. Um, I, I thought it was a great documentary overall, though. So I'll definitely have to see if I can follow up in a month's time and just see what's going on with this this situation. Uh, some heavy stuff, but anyway, uh, you guys have a great weekend. Have a great start of your week. And uh, let's see what we got for the midweek. Anyway, um, just want to let everyone know. Keep uh, listening, subscribe, do all that. I appreciate the love and follows. And just remember, everyone, whether you agree or disagree, it's just my take. Peace.